You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm one of the hosts of this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, I'm bringing you a mailbag show, kind of last-minute decision. Pacers do not play again until Friday, so it was kind of like random topic day or or mailbag. So I got like a ton of questions. I haven't counted how many, but it's at least three or four scrolls through. So I have read through kind of some of them, but not really like in detail. So really, I'm going to kind of just pull up Pacers B-Ball Ref page as kind of a reference tool and just start reading off the top and go through them, and I will go through each question. Some I will answer longer than others. If I see a kind of repeat question, I'll say, well, I answered it at this point. But, yeah, that's how it's going to work. So first response was by Josh Hinkle at I am J Hinkle underscore 99. Do you like the defense as of late, and do you see Victor improving it right away? So it's a good first question, actually. The Patriots have not played anybody any good, uh, let's be honest. I mean, they've played some even some of the worst uh Offensive teams in the league, the Magic, for example, are, I think, 30th in offense. Um, I would guess the Pistons are not super high up there. I'm going to go on a limb and say Charlotte probably isn't either. Um, the team they beat, you know, Oklahoma City, I think was about average. I think they were in the, maybe the lower. So they rank like 25th in offense. It was also not very good. I think they were higher before this weekend, to be honest. After the Pacers kind of smoked them, they probably dropped a ton. So I do like what I see so far. I do see some engagement out of players like T.J. Warren, who maybe wasn't there. But frankly, we haven't seen the Pacers full D, what it looks like with Turner and Sabonis, which is really kind of how it's going to work. And really, Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, Old Apo, Warren. Like, how will those five guys work together to make it work? And because really two of them haven't played for the better part. I mean, Turner hasn't played in probably two weeks now, give or take. Maybe it's been only like a week and a half. Time kind of speeds, speeds through when you're doing this podcast. But so... I don't think it can get. I don't think it's going to get worse. For example, with Oladipo back, simply because he's a great defender. Now we'll see how where he is athletically to start the year. But he just has some defensive instincts in terms of where to cut off passing lanes, how to make the right kind of steal at the right moment. So it certainly wouldn't be worse because the guy's playing at his spot. I mean, or Jeremy Lamb played at his spot for a little bit. You know, Aaron Holiday a little bit, Sumner a little bit, and none of those guys are like world being defenders. And Oladipo was a second team All NBA defense, so last year he was fully healthy. So. It certainly will, will get better when he returns. I just I don't know really what we know about it right now because it's just the injuries and the teams they play. I think I think to judge defense, it really takes like forty something games, give or take. I mean, really, it's kind of a really a whole season to judge of defense. I mean, maybe you can say about the thirty game mark, okay, this team's good or bad about a defense, but especially early on with so many new players, you just it's very up in the air. I know it doesn't really answer the question super well, but that's that's kind of my thoughts on it right now. All right, so the next question we got is from Hank. Lever Siege, if I said that wrong, please tweet at me. It's it's at H-L-E-V-E-R-S-E-D-G-E. When the rotation is healthy, when Gogo is on the floor, will he be the only center or will he share the court with Miles and Sabonis? That's a very open-ended question of, like, I have no idea. I'm not, not the coach. But if I had a guess, he'll play some minutes with Sabonis. But honestly, I'm not sure he's going to be in the rotation when he is healthy. I think you'll see him sporadically. Now he... First of all, will he be healthy enough all year to be in the rotation? I don't know about that. Um, 
They don't necessarily, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to place a bonus more at the center because clearly that's where he's kind of bored to play, it feels like, and that's kind of where he's succeeding right now. So it'll be interesting to see when he comes back where Goalie is actually playing, if he's playing any minutes at all. But I imagine they're going to play him a little bit with Sabonis, be my guess, probably less, less with Miles. I feel like his skills sets kind of overlap with Miles in terms of just like the stretching the floor and trying to be a rim protector. That's where his kind of his best defense is for Goga, where Sabonis at least has the ability to sort of play on the perimeter now. I'm a big fan of Turner's perimeter defense, so maybe you could figure out to make Goga and Turner work, but I really don't know where, where Goga's play is going to be. I'm not, I'm not convinced he can stay healthy the whole year. He still needs to get stronger. Um, you know, he just needs to learn how to play NBA basketball out of a full brutal, brutal schedule of that kind of play, which 19-year-old, 20-year-old guy, not expected to yet, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think we should be down on Goga for sure. I think he's been very positive, you know, shown some signs of like, oh, this guy is a real NBA player, just got to put together, get healthy. You know, figure out how to play defense a little bit, and he's going to be fine. So uh, I don't really know where he fits in the rotation, to be honest. But I, I would imagine, actually, it's probably going to be right outside of it, if not on that border, depending on how much they want to place a bonus in Turner and really how healthy either those guys are and, and Goga is. Um, all right, the next question. So we got actually two from Hank. Uh, the other one is, do you see Al as a passing leaf in the rotation this year? Also, what will Santa's role be when everyone is healthy? So... I frankly think both Leaf and Alize will be out of the rotation when everybody returns healthy. For now, they're probably going to play Leaf simply because they just want to see what they have and they have an option next year. Um, and then Samson is kind of the same boat where I think he'll play and then once everybody returns, probably on the outside of the rotation. Now, maybe he's earned himself some minutes with this with the bench unit team, bench unit whatever it is, and maybe he's really the four instead of Leaf or Alize um, or like Goga Sabonis slash playing four. I don't really know. You know, I have the problem in yesterday's podcast where I talked about how the Pacers are so deep. If so many good players, it's really, really hard to like figure out who's going to play when everybody returns. Like, I mean, McConnell, for instance, is going to be like the third point guard, but he's been too good to really not play. And so we'll sort of see how this shakes out. Everybody gets healthy, and how much everybody will get healthy. I mean, you've got you know Turner, who's had a checkered injury history, Brogdon injury history, uh, Sumner broke his hand, so I don't really know how long that means. You know, Oldie has a checkered injury history, so. We're not going to get all everybody healthy at the same moment anyways. I mean, it's going to be kind of, hopefully, kind of a thing in terms of the playoffs where they're all healthy at once. So it might not become an issue. But if everybody is healthy, I really don't see Alizé Leaf or Samson playing in the rotation at all. Which is unfortunate because I think Samson kind of probably deserves it at this point. Um, all right, so next thing we have is two questions from Indie Sports Fan at Indie Sports Dude. So the first one, let's see if I can... Scroll this right. Okay. The biggest team needs based off what you guys have seen so far this season. Uh, I guess he didn't rather I've been doing a solo show. Uh, health. Uh, a better training staff, I guess. I'm not sure you can put it on the training staff. Just health. If this team is healthy, there's there's a good chance that they're a borderline top four team. And they clearly are deep. They clearly have a lot of talent. If they're healthy, they're probably going to beat every bad team in the league, which, I don't know, a good amount of those. But it feels like... If they can get 100% healthy, that's kind of the thing they need. I'm not sure, you know, if Warren's that well, playing that well offensively and kind of become a defensive small forward, they really have that covered. Um, maybe power forward, the other spot, but I like the way Sabonis, Sabonis has been good, so if he can translate his center play to his power forward play and so on, I mean, they're really going to be pretty solid if they can just get completely healthy. That's kind of the big thing. Um, also, he asked, any, any sports fan, any sports dude asked, also, biggest surprise in the Pacers so far, the most surprising thing in the entire league this year. Uh, the biggest surprise for the Pacers, that's, I think... It has to be Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, I knew he was good, and I knew he was going to kind of could play the role he's playing, but I don't think he'd be 20 points and eight assists kind of good, and he would elevate his game to kind of the next level. I think a lot of people thought 
he had an injury. I mean, he might still have an injury problem. Who knows? But, you know, when a team is allows their, I'd say, second, third best player to be traded within the division, traded within the division, essentially, it raises a ton of red flag because it's like, why are they doing that? Hold on a second. This kind of makes no no sense. Well, clearly the Bucks just aren't smart or cheap or whatever they decided to be. They just didn't make the right decision. I don't think right now. I mean, I think it's clearly showing. Brogdon is a borderline all-star, if not in the all-star game right now. I haven't done the full 12 list, but he's been the most surprising thing to me so far. Um, most surprising the entire league. I think, actually, it has to go to the Phoenix Suns. Now, you know, I don't always check up on the Phoenix Suns every single day. <laughs> um, but that team is, like, competent in a way that I just honestly I spent all offseason shitting on them let's be honest I said they basically sold TJ Leaf or yeah they basically gave him away for free actually not even sold gave him away for free they attached picks to him just to get rid of him and to be honest it it actually makes sense to quit the cap space to go after a guy like um, Ricky Rubio and bring a guy like Aaron Baines who are two players who are not like amazing and gonna just like blow you away but they just add some stability to roster Devin Booker is just settling into like becoming a really good NBA player I mean he's shooting a ridiculous 54 51 I, I yeah I mean I the Suns like I said I spent pretty much all of him shitting on that team like it was the worst team ever worst run franchise it probably still is a pretty bad run franchise considering who their owner is but they've been really competent they probably won't be a playoff team they'll probably settle in around like nine or ten but they'll be in the playoff race most of the year and they're they're kind of proving people wrong you know they brought a, a competent coach and just it's amazing when you bring some competence, how good you can be. Um, all right, on to the next one. So from Walter Lambert at Walter L77096443. Well, that's like reading social security number. Um, when the entire team is healthy, I can assume Vic Miles, TJ Warren, Brogdon, Domas, Lamb, McBuckets locked in the rotation. Who do you see filling out the 10-minute rotation? I assume Goga and Sumner, but unsure McConnell or Aaron Holiday. Second, second point guard to fill out the rotation. So, yeah, so the stars will be Vic, Miles, Warren, Brogdon, Domas. That's your five. And then you're probably going to see, I, I, I would assume, McConnell, Holiday, Lamb, McDermott, Goga as the next five. So Sumner is the interesting thing here. And I think the problem you come is Holiday and Sumner play the same position in a way because neither guy can be kind of the main ball handler. I don't think Holiday's proven that yet. They need that kind of stability of a ball handler in McConnell. Now, there's a chance that you say you bump McConnell for Sumner. Um, I think Sumner's going to need some, you know, if you're coming back from injury, will need some kind of like, you know, to get back in the flow. And it just kind of sucks for him because I feel like he was just kind of getting going. If he could, because I hope to give you a huge part of this, you know, run right now. So, but Aaron Holiday's played himself into a rotation. I just don't see him kicking him out. What I could see theoretically is maybe you say, I mean, I don't know. You really can't go with McConnell, Holiday, Lamb, Sumner, McDermott. That's just like too small. Maybe you bump McDermott at some points for Sumner. I don't know. I have a hard time believing anyways that all of Lamb, McDermott, Goga, Sumner, Holland, McConnell will all be healthy at the same time. So whatever one's unhealthy, you'll not healthy, not unhealthy, not healthy, you'll bump out for the other one. But yeah, I mean it's tough. I think McConnell's probably the one who could end up out if Holiday can develop some of those point guard skills and just be a better all around just like feeder instead of just like kind of a uh, a catch and shooter kind of player. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's going to be hard for the Pacers. And Neil, that's about yesterday's podcast. It's just, just going to be hard for this team to figure that out because they just have they have enough good players who are playing really well right now. Maybe it will change. Maybe those, some guys will start to stink and they can make it make the decision easier. But for now, they have a uh, plethora of talent and it's kind of making it hard to, to do things. Um, all right. One more question before we take a break. From Comedian Jason at Groth underscore E. You can make an argument the Pacers could have 
three All-Stars on the team at some point. Oladipo, Brogdon, Sabonis. Along with a good supporting cast, is this team one player away from competing for the finals next year? Who could be that missing piece? That's, that's an interesting question. So, the Rockets, not the Rockets, sorry, the Raptors proved this year that depth along with some good injury luck, as in Clay Thompson and Kevin Ranger, can win you a championship. Now, granted, this is a weird, this was a weird year. The Rod didn't make the playoffs. Uh, super teams hadn't formed out West yet and whatnot. But I think there's an opportunity if this Pacers team just stays deep, can use to add quality players on the edges, sees improvement in the rookies, you know, sees a jump from Gogo maybe next year. Same thing from um, Aaron Holiday. And not like a huge jump. We're talking just like quality rotation player, borderline starter, but playing off the bench. That that could be enough, especially if Oladipo plays at a 17-18 level and Brogdon kind of hits like this this average of a 20 and 10 and becomes kind of an elite point guard. Um, and then you just add in, you know, Turner's great defense. It's a bonus playing offensive like he did as, as, a, as a center right now. So there, there is a chance that this is kind of enough. The one piece I see happening is if you kind of want to create a log, kind of clear up the log jam of the, about in the last question where there's just too many good players and just flip it into one guy. So I could see like a lamb, either Sabonis or Turner for somebody like a really good power forward, small forward kind of player. But the problem is I don't see a ton out there. I mean, when you look at the NBA landscape, like you got to assume Kawhi, Paul George, Davis, and LeBron are all going to stay. And those are four of the, those are probably the four game changing forwards in the league. Uh, Jimmy Butler's not leaving Miami. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. So that's five game-changing players. Um, you know, talking about guys who can move, like Towns and Beal. But, I mean, could you play Beal at the small forward? Maybe that's how it works. Maybe you get Beal and then you play Warren at the four. That, that's maybe a move. But I doubt Beal's on the market either. And it feels like he's kind of on the Devin Book kind of level now where he's just playing so much offense, shooting so much that he's not even – I don't know. I don't even consider him – I mean, he's a great player. But, like, I don't know how he fits in a winning culture all of a sudden. You know, like Gordon Hayward, he broke his hand. He's probably not going to be on the market. I mean, they're just, they're just there will be somebody that pops. Um, you know, Dame Lillard's always one, but I think he's going to end up staying. T.J. McCollum, you know, you don't need to see Jim McCollum either. I mean, it, it, it's hard. You go down the list, it's really hard to find a guy like a four. Like, you know, for years it was Kawhi, and then it was Paul George, and it's been Jimmy Butler. Those three guys, those three guys are all locked in the team, but I don't think they're going to change in a couple years. Now, three years down the line, sure. But I, I think really the team that we should have right now is Good enough to be on that borderline on the outside next year, where they're like possible top three or four. It depends where Giannis goes and kind of what happens with um, Philadelphia. Maybe Ben Simmons. I mean, that's another one, but I feel like you don't make a trade with a team you're competing with for a championship and supposed to be one of those teams. But I feel like they're going to be on the outside of like just a notch below the Bucks, just a notch below um, the Sixers, and notch below the Lakers and the Clippers, and we'll see where the Warriors at, and so on. And those teams in Denver and whatnot, and then maybe you know, and beat Kansas healthy. You know, the Bucks lose some death because they didn't resign Brogdon, and you're able to upset the Bucks in one round, and then you can play in bead. You play in a beadless seven sixteen, you to the finals, and then all of a sudden something happens to, you know, I mean Davis not very healthy all the time. Either is Kawhi, and there's Paul George. So I mean, those three guys that could easily get hurt. So I mean, that's that's. The hope, I guess. I'm not sure this team, I mean, barring something, some, you know, one of those like seven guys I named kind of shaking loose, they're probably not going to be able to get a super duper star, but they can be at that kind of level right below where they could be deeper than everybody else, maybe pull off an upset and injury goes their way and they, and they can be in the NBA Finals, which looking back in NBA history, I mean, that's how a lot of teams win the championship. Injury here changes the whole thing. I mean, the Raptors don't win last year if Clay doesn't get hurt. 
they might still win, but if Katie's gonna for sure, they probably don't win. So that that's what could happen. You know, that's kind of what's out there. But I think this team's focus has always been, you know, this is a two-year plan. This year is sort of a test year. Next year is the year they make the, kind of the jump. And so if they can jump into like an Eastern Conference finals contender next year, that'd be really interesting. And, and maybe you get enough improvements out of guys you don't need to, you know, go after somebody big. You just see a, a internal growth. That's the easiest way to get good this league, right, is have players who are just good on your own roster without the training for anybody. You know, unless you're an L.A. team, you basically can't sign anybody good most of them in. Anyways, all right. Um, let's take a quick break, and then we will do the uh, rest of the mailbag questions. Today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. That is the first game of Thanksgiving, the usual Lions game. Simply choose the team against the spread for up to $250, and if you win, congrats. You get an extra holiday spending money, and if you lose, congrats to you as well. MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. If you use the promo code LOCKEDONMBA, MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet for Thanksgiving. Let me repeat that. As a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only, so if you're a true football fan, you're a true basketball fan, and you're or a true whatever fan, you are not want to let opportunity pass you up. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA on MyBookie. You win, you play, you get paid. Welcome back into this mailbag version of the Locked On Pacers podcast. So, next question comes from Chance Daughtery at Daughtery9Chance. How do you think Oli will fit in with the new group? And how do you think it will affect the roles of Brogdon Holiday in his return? I think Oli will fit in really well. I think this team and the roster they constructed is designed to fit around Oladipo pretty much seamlessly, right? You're talking about a, a guard who can help him on D at any spot because of the Brogdon size and ability to play defense. He can guard pretty much the team's best guard, forward slash player. So Oladipo can hide on the, the lesser of the, the two on defense while still providing that ability to cut off passing lanes and kind of be that um, safety type defender on defense at the same time. But we'll get some break and be able to carry the offensive load at a much higher rate, which is where he excelled exceptional last year. Two, Brogdon's ability to just make the right pass and find the, the cutter in the right moment will give Oladipo an opportunity to play off the ball, which using the right screens with Sabonis and Turner and using the right kind of Warren drawing defender just being an all-around good score. Well, Oladipo probably to get more efficient shots. We're talking maybe corner threes, get open lanes to cut to the rim and dunk it in. I mean, and then worst-case scenario, because Brogdon can shoot – so well, and because pretty much every guy they play, except his most three-point shooter, they can pretty much isolate Depot out, roam to the rim, and score. So I think they fit perfectly around him. All the guys do. You know, on the bench, you're going to talk about him playing with Lamb, who's kind of a good combination skill set as well. Yeah, it, it, it just makes all the guys kind of fit with him. They did this on purpose. You know, they built this roster to fit him. You know, I think before they built the roster to kind of fit around Turner in the 2017-18 year when they were kind of lost PG and all and making kind of a rebuild mode. mode. But now... They've really got it to kind of fit around Oladipo. Clearly, is their best player if he's healthy, and we'll see if that's that's the big thing here. Will he be healthy? Will he be where he was in 2017, 18? Um, the rest of the guys, I think Brogdon's role stays the same. You will probably see shot volume come down for Brogdon. Um, he's taking about well, I don't have that the b-ball ref on page right now, but if I scroll back and hit my back button twice, I can probably find out. Okay. Brogdon, yeah, this is great, Adam, reading when he's on the internet. Okay, so Brogdon's taking about 16 shots per game right now. That's the most in the team. I guess that number's probably going to come down. Now, 
a lot of Oladipo's shots will come probably from Jeremy Lamb, who's just going to play less minutes. Um, so a combination of coming from Lamb, you can get him all of Jakar's shots. So that gets him to like, let's say he takes five of Lamb's, five of Jakar's, one of each of the starters, but that's 15, 16 shots per game. Um, you know, I think Oladipo will, will not take 20 shots a game, for example. I believe he did that close to close 20 in his 2017-18 season, give or take. But I think because of, just because they have a better team around him, he just won't take as many shots. So he took at his peak 18 shots per game in 2018. I feel like he's going to be more like at the 16 number, which is a good number for him. For him, it's about efficiency as well. It's like if he takes 16 shots, can he take seven threes or six threes, make two and a half of them, give or take, and make five, ten of the other shots pretty much. That's kind of his goal, and that gets him to probably 19, 20 points and throwing the assists and all that stuff. And he'll be throwing, throwing some free throws for getting the rim and getting fouled and whatnot. So I think he'll be okay. Brogdon will be okay. Holiday is the one you start to worry about because he'll have to go to the bench. He'll have to play with McConnell. He won't, you know, he. It, it's really easy to look good when you're playing with the starters. I mean, he's don't get me wrong. He's kind of lived up to the task. So, like, he, that's just part of it, just showing and being a decent NBA player when you get an opportunity to. But it's a lot harder to kind of show your skill set when you're playing with worse passers, um, worse four stretchers, worse just offensive players who draw more attention. So, We'll see how Holly does on the bench. I mean, that's, if he's going to succeed next to McConnell or even by himself next to like a Sumner, then he's all good. But I, I do worry when he goes to the bench, he'll um, revert back to some of his old, not great ways, I think is the right way to put that in the nicest way possible. All right, so next question comes from Thomas Beam at underscore O Beamer. If you want the Pacers to target anyone in a trade, who would it be and who will, who would you give up? You know... Because we're so early in the season, I have not thought about a ton of trade targets yet. I mean, Bradley Beal always comes to mind. I don't know why I just think a Brogdon Beal Old Depot thing would work. But to be honest, I, I like the way this team is constructed right now. I think you've got to give them at least a year of just not making moves. You know, at the end of the offseason, if things really didn't work, I mean, if the Bones turn in place, let's say 50 to 60 games together and it doesn't work, then you have to move on from them. You know, if Warren somehow just isn't as good as they thought he was going to be or whatever, Lamb. But really, so far, everybody lived up if not exceed expectations. And so, you know, the only move I could see them making is, like, they decide, well, we just have too many players, too many good players, so we're going to have to, like, cash in a Justin Holiday and a McConnell and a Leaf for somebody good. But to be honest, I think they like the depth they have. You know, considering the injuries they have, they like that having that ability to, you know, have 13 players that they all kind of can trust can play minutes all the way from, you know, Oladipo at the top to Justin Holiday at kind of the bottom of the rotation. So I, I don't see any move imminent. Now, if Goga takes off, let's say, you know, in a year or two, then you have to worry about that. And he's playing center and whatnot. But for now, I like the way the team is constructed and I really wouldn't make any moves, to be honest. I don't, I know I'm kind of punting on that question, but I really don't see anybody they, they should go after. All right. So next question comes from. So our next question comes from Dick at Rev Diesel. Brogdor the Burnator has been quite sour to open the season. Will this be a long-term sustainable as teams are better able to plan the more they get to see him as a primary bowler more and more this season, or will this be a flash in the pan? You know, I think it's sustainable in terms of that he will have better efficiency, actually, once Old Eagle returns. I don't know if the 20 points a game is sustainable. I feel like he probably settles in more like an 18 and 10 kind of guy. But that's pretty good for a point guard. I mean, that's, we're talking 18 and 12 with like Chris Paul kind of Steve Nash level numbers. I mean, you guys from MVP are going 18 and 13, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, no, I mean, I think it's sustainable. I I, I think, you know, when Oldie was not playing, he'll have some he'll have good games. I just I just think he is probably taking too many shots because he has to. But 
he's really good. He's really showing why he should be a point guard. You know, he's kind of playing off guard, shooting guard, a little bit point guard with the uh, the Bucks last year. But he's proving them wrong right now and kind of showing, hey, I'm a true point guard. If I stay healthy, I'm I'm an all star basically. And he's really he's done that. So great bet by the by the Pacers. All right. So our next question comes from Reggie Thriller at Teen Teen New Heat. Three three O's. I have also questions like him. This is a repeat asker. Thank you for listening to our show always. Um, so his question is, which team this month will give us the most trouble? Also, what is your favorite Vic Fanny pack? So this month, so we're in November right now. Let me pull up a schedule. I was not prepared for this, of course, because I did not prepare in time. All right, so Pacer schedules. I go to ESPN. I, let's skip that for now and say Vic Fanny pack. Um, the one he wore yesterday I thought was kind of cool, where he had, like, the string on it. It was like, well, it was, I'm being told it's not a Fanny pack from the audience in this podcast. Um <laughs> Um, so frankly, I don't pay attention to Fanny Packs that much. I'm sorry to stay say that. Um, I just remember the one yesterday, frankly, because it was kind of wasn't really a Fanny Pack. It was like a necklace with a like a white pouch. I don't know how to put it, but that one was okay. But I, you know, I'm gonna stay away from the Fanny Pack question because apparently Tony got just crushed on Twitter for him. So I'm gonna just stay away from that question, ignore everything I've said, move on to the to your first question, which was which team will get the patients the most trouble this month. Uh, so. Candidates, they play Philly at the end of the month. They play Utah on the 27th. They play Milwaukee on the 16th and Houston on the 15th. The Bucks on a back-to-back is going to be the most trouble. They're going to be tired, probably be down some more players. Hopefully you see Turner back, maybe Lamb back. I don't know. If they both return, it helps a little bit. But this is going to be a tired pacer team. This Bucks team is really good. They're really talented. Giannis is just hes the best player on the planet right now. He's going to be the MVP probably. How they stop him, I don't know. They will give him the most trouble by far. But... I think runner-up is probably going to be Philly, and then I put uh, Houston and Utah kind of tied for third. All right, let's take one more break, and then the other side, we will do the last five questions I have. All right, welcome back into Locked On Pacers podcast. Our next question comes from Drew Meek, at Drew Meek 23. Should we be worried about adding Miles back? The rotation may throw off the momentum the team has been building. Spomos is playing excellent and may have to take less of a role, and the team is 0-3 with Turner this season. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize they were own through. Now he he did play that broken game that they managed to win. So, um, no, I wouldn't worry about that right now. Frankly, I would see how they play together. If there is if Sabonis is kind of neutered because he has to play power forward, then we can discuss this later. But I, I, there's just not enough sample size to prove it's not going to work. And you got to roll with it because they're your two of your four best players now. Because I think Barnes kind of become the best player, number two best player behind Sabonis. So so far this year. So no, I, I'm not too worried yet. You know, give me. 15, 10, 15 games of Sabonis turn together, and then I can look at a sample size and be like, okay, it's just not working, or it's kind of working, or this is working, and we'll, we'll know more. Um, the next question comes from Liam Richner, at Liam J. Richner. Now we've seen the new guys in action, who's proven to be the best deal of the summer. DJ Warren, Cash, or basically taking for free. Brogdon, at four years 85, or retains the bonus at four years 80. Or other, Indiana, hashtag Indiana style, Hashtag Pacers. I didn't realize they changed the hashtag to Indiana style. That's how you get the little Pacer logo now. Did not realize it used to be hashtag Pacers. Well, the more you know, right? Uh, I should probably know that. So, um, Brogdon's the best deal because he's the borderline all-star of those threes. Uh, Sabonis is not getting paid yet, so you don't know if it's a good contract yet. You know, we'll see how he does in the next four years. That's kind of a cop-out for that one. Um, Warren, though, is up there, certainly. You know, I just think to get an all-star for basically the a $20 million number is rare. I mean, a lot of times you're overpaying your borderline all-stars that much money. That's kind of how Brogdon got it, right? So 
most borderline all-stars are paid in like the 20 to 25 range and the real good players are paid 25 up. I mean, obviously depends on the hit for agency. Like Oladipo hit was afraid three years ago when that 21 was more like the 25 is now. But so they they basically kind of overpaid Brogdon from what he had been previously paying for potential and he's paid off and he's exceeded. I mean, I think if he was afraid in this offseason with the 28 line he's putting up, he would probably get more like 25 to 30. But she has the dominant poker can play defense for sure. So Brogdon's number one, Warren number two. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. I mean, I, I could flip flop that the year. Warren's certainly playing really well recently. If he starts maybe get close to 20 points per game, he could be the all-star on the team, and that could be kind of the difference. And then Sponis, like I said, just he's not on the new contract yet, so it's not a, a deal yet. And he's just be able to play a turner for it to become worth anything. Uh, next question comes from, I don't know, it's a symbol at Oladipo Burner. So do you think Sabonis can continue the numbers he's been putting up when Miles returns? No. That's a blind answer, but no, uh, Sabonis. So let's let's do Sabonis' last like five games. I did it the other day, but I'll pull it up one more time. So, just so we're aware, Sabonis is up to twenty points and thirteen point three rebounds right now on fifty-two percent shooting from the field. He has played give or take, played six games without without Turner. In those six games, he's putting up nineteen point three points per game on fifty percent shooting with fourteen point seven rebounds. Um. That rebound number, so with Turner, his rebounds were still pretty good. I mean, we're talking 13 and then 5 and 14. So I think the rebound number can certainly hold. I think he could be a 12 to 14 rebound, rebounds a game kind of guy, but I think his shots will come down. You know, he took 19 and 18 shots the last two games. Without Turner, he's taken 18 or more three times. Um, I think he's more like a 15-shot-a-game player. So if we're saying he's going to shoot, let's say, 50% on those shots, we're talking more like 16 points per game. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just, you know... He'll get opportunities to do this because Turner will probably will miss another 10 games somewhere else. So he shouldn't be, you know, he'll have to just shine like this. But I, I think ultimately he's probably more of a 16 and 12 guy, 16 and 13 guy kind of player. So, you know, that's nothing. That's not like that, that much less, but it just is less. So I, I do think it isn't sustainable just with Turner just because he's going to get up some shots and you have to play a little more outside the, the paint, which will affect him um, on the defensive end and his rebounding, stuff like that. So I, doesn't be a shame of though, honestly, if numbers got a tiny bit. I mean, it's part of being on on a good team. You know, he's not just on a bad team. He could probably score twenty five a game and have fifteen rebounds and be the Andre Drummond, but that's no fun, right? And then your team makes the playoffs and you have to basically win thirty games a year. All right, next question comes from Malcolm Brogdon's Dan account at C H J C A R Y. So something Chad J Carey. Uh, yeah, I should stop trying on this. Um, so the question is, is Shakar Sampson a playoff basketball player? I don't think he is defense measures so well at Turner or Sabonis if we need to go smaller. Uh, no, I don't think so yet. Um, like I said earlier, he is pushing his way into like he should be in the rotation and be kind of the four on this team. He certainly has some flashes. Um, I like him defensively. Not quite up there offensively. He needs to develop a three-point shot. But uh, he certainly is promising. His energy obviously is worth a lot too. So I definitely see him being kind of the – if one thing settle out, kind of being the four on this team, as like kind of the the tenth man four, depending on where Leaf falls and like that. But no, I don't think he's quite yet ready to play in a, in a playoff game. But nothing wrong with that, honestly. He has played a grand total of like thirty NBA M- NBA games. All right, get up on our last two questions. Um, so the next question comes from Grant Burnett at eight point nine seconds. So this guy must run. Well, I guess he doesn't run the website. But he got the good. He got the good handle. Good for him. Um, what is T.J. Warren's track record 
on those floaters look like. Even going back to his son's day, he makes it look like it makes it look incredibly easy, but I still feel worried that it's just that it's just unsustainable. So good time to pull out some uh, shot charts for TJ Warren. No excuse to do this. I always love doing this. So as you guys know, TJ Warren is a three-time member of the Adam Friedman fancy basketball team, which means that I have been following him for a few years now. He's, you know, so the last three years he's put up what 19.6, 18, and now he's averaging 18.5 points a game this year. But if we scroll down to just his shooting percentage by distance, for example, so by distance this season, he is shooting 73% inside three feet, which is would be a career high for him. Or sorry, second career high. He is 74% in the 2016-17 year, but would be the best of the last three years by a good five, six percent. Um is actually three to ten feet is down compared to the last two years, where he's shooting more like 37% instead of closer to 40. Um, his 10 to 16 is way up. That's and that's where you may divide the unsustainable is that he's really making, I mean, a lot of like 12 foot floaters, 66% on that spot versus like a 43 average. Um, and then, but his three point percentage is way down compared to last year, like 14%. So the thing I look for is I think his zero to three can stay up that high. I think it helps that he plays with a guy like Sabonis who just can clear lane out for him and brought in who can just set him up perfectly. I mean, he's getting a lot of these like kind of backdoor cut passes. It's kind of very much like the Thad Young plays that Thad would get if he can convert them better because he's just a better, you know, player around the rim than Thad is. That's sustainable. Um, his 3 to 10, I think, should probably go up based on career history. should be more like in the 40s. Um, his 10 to 16 might come down, but I think those will even each other out in a way. And so, and then hopefully his 3 point percent comes more like 35. I don't think he's going to be a 43% shooter, but maybe somewhere in the mid-30s would be solid for him. So, I guess to answer the question fully, I, I do think his like 15 foot floater is just unsustainable because like, I mean, I don't think, I don't know how, how, how you do that. I mean, uh, usually put up 15 foot floater is just like, I mean, that's like Michael Jordan esque in a way. So I don't know if he does that, but I think based on his other averages, he's going to be able to sustain his scoring and his efficiency. So maybe it's converting some of those floaters into just like eight foot floaters or a little jump sh- hook shots or more cutting, you know, more backdoor cut dunks, whatever it is. I think he'll he'll be able to keep up his points per game, which is kind of the whole key at the same shooting percentage, which is the key. So, you know, maybe his shot selection isn't sustainable, but eventually he'll sell into a spot where he's able to kind of be the same efficient, I guess. Um, and then, so the last question we got before the 8 o'clock cutoff, and I saved this one because we have a guest who wants to speak on the podcast, but she has to move to the left side of me to be able to speak. So the question comes from AJ Reese, and she wanted to answer some of it because – his creative person. Um, so first of all, the question is one favorite creative pet name, two favorite Vic Fanny packs so far. I'm not gonna answer that. Chick Fil A or Popeyes? For who's more likely to keep up high level of play? Bernard Sabonis, and why do the Pacers? Get, why do the basketball gods hate us? Uh, this comes from from AJ Reese at AJ Reese one three one three, and the guest on today's podcast, as you guessed it, is uh, at. Emil Hagera, Marina. Oh, at Marina Hagera is her Twitter account. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she needs to scoot a little bit and speak up. Ah! And not scream into the, into the mic. And not scream into the mic. So, uh, favorite creative pet name. I'm assuming they mean for Pacers. I'm going to go first. What? Is, I mean, what is. is what did uh, Dick use? Brogdor the Burnator. I guess that's kind of a funny. It's not a pet name. What's a pet name then? Like Bobes, like for Bojan, one of these Bobes or Bojan or Bogey. Pet Bogey. name is like me calling Miles Turner my son. That's not a pet name either, but. Okay, I mean, I get what you mean. So like, 
yeah, I mean. That's like if we were, if we were Bogues, cute, I'd be like, like oh, like, honey. Like the Bogues? I mean, that was like Trebillion Bogdanovich, maybe. He's not a pacer. But he was a pacer. But he's not anymore. He's not anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a pet name, to be honest. So, do you have one? Uh, No. Okay. Question number two, we're skipping because we're not going to. We gonna, are we're 0 not, for 2. We're not going to discuss fanny packs. Number I wanted to say number 3, though. Well, that was why I was interested. That's fine. So number 3 is Chick-fil-A or Popeyes. Because Adam wants to stunt like he's had the Popeyes No, sandwich. I haven't. I was going to say I haven't. And he has not. Uh, it it sounds like it's better than Chick-fil-A one from the reviews and the it's craziness. got a brioche bun. The craziness on social media and stuff like that, but I have not tried it yet. Um, and also Chick-fil-A unmatched service. And also yeah. Chick-fil-A... Chick-fil-A sauce. Chick-fil-A service is really good. And a frozen lemonade. We should mention, though, they do have some morals, so let's, let's you know, not press Chick-fil-A too much. Some moral problems. All right, number four. Like Who is more likely to queue up the high-level play, Brian or Sabonis? Um, I'm not qualified. I think both are going to come down in terms of averages, but I think Brogdon, in terms of just, like, the high-quality play that he's putting up and just, like, the way he's trying to change the pace to become just a much more efficient team than they were Last year and just become, you know, just being kind of the dominant ball handler. He can keep that up when the bonus can because the bonus is going to play the little four and it's going to screw up him a lot. Kind of this question already a bunch of times, so I think that's kind of a good enough answer. And five, why do the basketball gods hate us? You know, that's a very good question. People love to hate on good people. Pacers get screwed. A lot of feels like, I mean, from the brawl, it hurt probably their best chance when when it be a championship in an open year to the Richie Miller block that year before. <laughs> So the LeBron James layup with 1.9 left because Frank Vogel didn't put Roy Hibbert in for some stupid reason. To I mean, we're talking the I Paul the Paul George leg snap, which it really shouldn't have happened. You know, <laughs> you know that year they were coming off of an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, and Paul George was going to make that leap that he, that he made last year. They could have made that year and whatnot. You know, I know they didn't have Lance that year, but I felt like that team was like poised to make another kind of run in the playoff pitch because LeBron was switching teams, and there was a real opportunity in the East to sort of become that team. You know, how about the small ball revolution coming right as Ray Hibbert is becoming the maybe the most really, valuable center? You are really putting people to sleep. Um, I will say, though, the one time they've shown a lot in the Pacers is that Paul George trade. The Pacers are the only team to win a superstar trade. I mean, maybe they didn't win it like 100% because Paul George got traded for like nine first round picks or whatever it was a year later. But they got an all star out of it, who I know isn't healthy, and they got a, probably another borderline all star. So it worked out for the Pacers in that trade. They got two players who were more committed to Indiana and they have more control over. So at the end of the day, that worked out, but I, I get what you mean. I don't know. I, I can't speak for God because, you know, I'm not Because you're Jewish. Well, I'm not the Pope. Isn't the Pope speak for God? That's not really the Pope's purpose. That's like a saint. Who speaks for God? Like deacons or pastors no, or... No, none of the... No, no one speaks for God, apparently. Well, somebody delivers God's message, well, right? yeah, that would be any person. Well, this has been the Religious Men on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Marina had one question I want to ask before. I have a few, you, but they're very fast. Okay. You get, qu- okay. Quickly, because we are we are not hitting like the 30-minute mark of this podcast, and I am... People uh, love Wow, it. we're almost at 40 minutes. We got we to gotta stop. Ooh, okay, number one. Did you really say in the ad that it was gravy? I did, because that was in, it was in the script. Two. Terrible. Go. Ad lib. Number two. Um, I saw a tweet today that I think Tony deleted because I can't find it anymore, but he was responding to somebody's uh, question about if when Miles Turner returns, um, like, if Sabonis would be affected, and then, like, everyone just suggests that Miles Turner is going to be traded over Sabonis, and as an avid Miles Turner question Stan, yet. why do people hate him? <laughs> Pass. What? 
That's a legitimate question. No, it's not passed. It is. It is. I'm gonna, okay. Next. Um, do... What is McDermott's first name? Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott, not Dylan McDermott. <laughs> it could do be a Doug, could be a Don, could be a could be a Dylan, could any be other a, D, any other uh, D name. Could be a Dan. Anyways. Inside joke, sorry guys. I tweeted about it. Um do McDermott and TJ McConnell look alike to anyone else? Is no. that just me? McConnell's like six one, McDermott's six nine. They're not nearly the same as height. That doesn't mean they're anything. Both, I mean their faces. Not not to get too racial here, but they're both white guys with dark hair, so it's a little bit kinda on the race line. Um but no, they might have a similar haircut in the sense that like they kind of both push to the side and whatnot. But no, McDermott just has like a look about him, McConnell has a look about him. No. Okay. Why do you people roast them when it seems like they actually make plays when they are put in the game? Is it because they look alike? <laughs> I honestly, that's that's actually a much that's a better question. Um, I oh. think people like every time like to they, underestimate them. I, I, I think there's a real they like under, to underestimate them. Yeah, people really think they aren't as good as they are. I, I mean, I'm the same as I mean, I, okay, yeah. McConnell. Everybody was like, "Oh, why they sign him? He's not any good. He's too short. He can't do defense. He can't I play mean, defense." I hundred percent. But every time he comes in, he does positive work things. so far. Yeah, McDerm- McDermott. They're not bad. Things. In my defense, McDermott last year was not as good as this year. McDermott last year was very kind of like comes in, misses a three, maybe shoots. He shot forty. Very suburban. You know, shot forty percent, but this year he's been much more like aggressive when he has the ball in his hands. They're set, they're just doing much more actions for him, trying to get in the ball in the better in better spots to make threes. He's a better shooter this year. It feels like so. In my defense, McDermott just wasn't very wasn't you know as good as he needed to be last year. This year, uh, he's much better, and that's why you know I may be underestimated him. For example. McDermott. Yeah. Um, McDermott is twenty-eight, and oh, he's shooting forty percent from three on four attempts. I think last year he was more like three and a half and forty percent. Uh, last year he was at two point seven attempts on forty percent, so that's why he's much better this year. So, anyways, next question. I technically have two more, but I know I would only be allowed to ask one because they are both bad. <laughs> so. That's her words, not mine. I will take the better one. Do people wish someone else hosted the podcast besides you? And that doesn't mean Tony. It means do people wish that I hosted the podcast? I think it's going to end this podcast. That was um, a legitimate question. If you think Marina hosts this podcast. I talk slower. She does talk slower. She does enunciate better. I enunciate more. She does watch all the Pacer games with me. I don't so. understand it. But, but I, she she watches. She engages. She hosts this podcast every day, usually. So she isn't. She is I am um, an avid fan. Yeah, so I guess if you want me to host this podcast, tweet at Locked On Pacers where you can follow us on Twitter. One like, and I will take over the podcast forever. Maybe I'll do a poll tomorrow like. if she reminds me. Just one. That's that's not true. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 100 likes to do that. That's a good One million sample. likes. And it's not forever for one episode you can record. Anyways. That was my fifth question. You can follow me on Twitter at Freeman05. You can follow Marina at Marina Higuera. You can follow Tony East at T East NBA. He's the other coast on this podcast. You can follow Miles Turner. Okay, that's all for his Locked Off Pacers podcast. And we will see you guys again. Bye.